podcast as part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to today's episode of the 49ers Unrestricted Podcast. I'm Timmy Gibson here with my co-host, Daniel Bigelow. Daniel, how you doing this fine Monday morning? Good morning. I am I am good. I am excited for what we get to talk about today and what we will be looking forward to uh, in the future of this season that is coming to an end very shortly. Um, but also, it, it's Monday, people. It is a good day. For a good day. Let's go. Yeah, and I think I'm not sure the season is going to be coming to an end very shortly, Daniel, because we can now fully talk about the fact that the 49ers have clinched a spot in the playoffs. They have clinched the NFC West, so they will be playing into January. So we're uh, we're going dancing, and we'll we'll see how far Brock Purdy takes us. So that's some great news for the Niners. Are are you thinking we're gonna do some line dancing? Some break dancing, like what kind of dancing are you thinking right now? I don't know. I think I was thinking more like March Madness, that kind of dancing, but I don't know how how much that applies. Probably line dancing. I feel like it's our defensive line that that has gotten us here, so they'll probably uh, probably be dancing in January. Forty Niners. What's our gosh? We should know our mascot's name. Sourdough Sam. Sourdough Sam. I was like, what is it? Uh, that's, also, that's I don't think we're obliged to know it. It's a terrible name for a mascot. It's not a must to know that. <laughs> Sourdough Sam. Yeah, it's not the world's greatest one. Um, but, hey, he might be the best thing since sliced bread. So, who knows? Yeah, who knows? Well, I mean, we should talk about the actual best thing since sliced bread. Our new superstar quarterback, Brock, Brock Purdy, had his first game on the road, went up to Seattle. Not the easiest place to play. As you know, it's very... Very loud there. Add in the fact, you know, tough divisional game, division on the line, prime time, Thursday night football. And you know what? He looked like the Brock Purdy we'd seen on Sunday. He looked awesome. He's He doesn't seem stoppable. And as if he keeps playing like that, he's not going to be the limiting factor on where this 49ers team goes in the playoffs. And that's really cool. I don't know, Daniel. What were your, We got to get the big story out front. What did you think about 30 on th- Purdy on Thursday? I, I continue to be very, very impressed. Yeah, the same thing we said about how he looked against the Bucks. Um, I think you can say the same thing against Seattle. Um, he didn't throw for as many touchdowns, but that is okay. He was seventeen for twenty. Excuse me, seventeen for twenty-six, two hundred and seventeen yards. That's an average of twelve point eight. I say the average because that's usually higher than Jimmy Garoppolo's average. Two touchdowns, zero interceptions, and he had a quarterback rating of 117. That's awesome. That is a, that's yeah. a great stat line. Um, he looked really, really good again. He, yeah, I think, like I said, I think the biggest th- way to describe it is just he's not the limiting factor of the 49ers right now. And when, when you have a third-string court, quarterback playing, a third-string rookie quarterback playing, a third-string rookie Mr. Irrelevant quarterback playing, you you kind of expect him to be the limiting factor on the field, and he he has not limited this 49ers offense at all. They're humming just as well as they were with Jimmy. If anything, he might have opened up more areas of the field. It's 
it's kind of insane to be honest when you think about how good he's looked. But wow, it's been fun to watch. I love how you the way you just said that because that brings up my favorite play of the game where it is early in the second quarter, I believe, and maybe it was still first. It was early in the game. Um, Brock Purdy snaps the ball, looks to Ray Ray McLeod, doesn't like the option, fakes a pass to him, chucks over his right shoulder, fakes a throw to Christian McCaffrey, and I don't think it was a fake to Christian McCaffrey because Christian McCaffrey was ready for it, and then when Brock Purdy didn't throw, he hesitated, and his hands are still out, and he's like, throw me the ball. Like, what are you, what are you doing? And then Brock Purdy, after those two looks, finds a wide-open George Kittle right up the middle of the field for an easy touchdown. That was an awesome play. Uh, I think that play. was the first one of the game. And it was just my favorite thing to see how poised he was to take his time in the pocket to look at multiple options, but then to also, you know, it's probably it's got to take a guy, uh, a, take a veteran to look at Christian McCaffrey and not throw him the ball. And if you watch that replay slowly, Christian McCaffrey, his hands, he's kind of like, what are you doing? Throw me the ball. Why would you not? Um, but he finds George Kittle for for my favorite touchdown of the game. Yeah, that was that was great to see. A phenom- like I said, just not limiting, and that's that's what's great to see. And the, the 49ers defense, I mean, as dominant as ever. We saw them out there. You think about the Seahawks offense had been really, really humming to start the season. Not as great, but they'd been, I mean, they were in playoff contention. Geno Smith, there were people throwing his name out in the MVP conversation. I mean, and the, the 49ers defense kind of just shut them down. Like they've been doing everyone. And this defense continues to not have a weak spot and continues to just dominate opposing offenses. So that is great to see as well. I don't think that the 21 to 13 finishing score truly reflects the game either. And and you can make that case for a whole lot of games. But if you look at the breakdown from quarter to quarter, um, it shows that, you know, we had the first touchdown of the game. I believe it was 14 zero before they finally got a field goal. Um, and then I want to say we got the third touchdown and it was 21 to three they got another field goal 21 to six and then they they got their late game touchdown but it was just not it wasn't the the same blowout as it was against the bucks right i don't i don't know how many more of those we're gonna see uh we would like to see a lot but it was just a phenomenal game from the entire offense and so let's just give a couple of statistic shout outs uh christian mccaffrey had 26 attempts and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that after we go through some of this, that 26 attempts is not quite what we usually see from him. Um, but I think that has to do with being running back deficient on our team right now. So he had 26 attempts for 108 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Jordan Mason had four attempts for 64 yards. That's an average of 16 yards per carry. That comes from a very long 55-yard run. And then uh, it was George Kittle with the hands in the receiving game all day. Um, he only had five targets, eight, uh, four receptions, 93 yards, and two touchdowns. So this is the George Kittle game we've we've been waiting to see uh, for a while because yeah. I, love, I love seeing him be a ball hog. 
I think it would be it's pretty reasonable to say this was Kittle's best receiving game of the season. I think it's hard to yeah. to fully understand what Kittle does unless you're really watching the tape and watching him block all the time. But from a receiving perspective, this and from a fantasy perspective, like from the things that are going to get him noticed by the average NFL fan, this was his best game of the year. And that was great to see. He's coming into form right on time for the playoffs. He's coming into form, but I also think he like, yes, we have incredible weapons in obviously not in this this current week but Debo Samuel and then Brandon Ayuk and and uh, Christian McCaffrey all of those guys are top options even a Jawan Jennings is killing it um but I think that it's the tight end position but even more so it's George Kittle who might help a Brock Purdy stay comfortable um be the top target who knows that okay you're gonna run whatever kind of route that is going to make more sense to Brock. It's going to be easier for Brock. But it kind of just seems like the tight end position is usually the favorite for a new incoming quarterback. And I think that's great that we have a phenomenal tight end for Brock Purdy to get comfortable with. But he's also not using George Kittle as a crutch. If you look at the stats of this game, it might look like it. But that's because more so the receiver of George Kittle rather than the crutch of the tight end position, I would say. Absolutely. I I don't think Brock Purdy is using anything as a crutch right now. He is playing really, really high-level good football. Maybe the crutch of, you know, Kyle Shanahan calling the offense, but sure. there's, yeah, it does not look like we are leaning on any one player too much, other than I think you could argue McCaffrey's getting a lot more usage than we would have expected at this point, but... McCaffrey's a once in a generation running back, I think, and totally makes sense to give him this workload, but it is a bummer. I know the Niners were hoping to kind of ease the workload on him, especially before the playoffs, hoping to give a lot of that to Mitchell before Mitchell's injury. Jordan Mason looked good kind of near the end of the game, so hopefully maybe we can work him a little bit more into the game plan. We, you just you don't want McCaffrey injured going into the playoffs, you know? But it's no, it's no important, means. but also you want to lean on your best players to win games. So it's kind of tough. Yeah, we've talked all all season long about that fine line of, okay, how much do we, you know, we have all these incredible offensive weapons. How much do we lean on them? How much do we use them? And it's easy for us to say, like, no, use George Kittle all we want. He, You can use him 100% of the time. And then a close second to the same thing with Brandon Ayuk, maybe a little less with Debo just because of, how many injuries he seems to have, but that's also just because he gives it his all. Um, I, I think it's a very similar thing for a Christian McCaffrey where they're not necessarily injury prone. They're just risking it all every chance they can. And, you know, a human body can only do so much. So that's why we see some of these injuries. Um, Debo did nothing wrong. A guy landed on his ankle and that's why it's sprained. So, it's it's one of those hard things to to determine the usage. We kind of talked about it last podcast, but you know, I think if we're good to go, then it's a go. Yeah, and I just I don't think you can draw a direct line from usage to injuries exactly. the way a lot of people yeah. on Twitter want to. <laughs> yes, it's just it's not a straight line, nor is it truly a line that I believe that actually connects. Yeah. But but I would like to see a little less workload for McCaffrey in these types of games where it's never really in doubt I'd like to see him kept healthier going into the playoffs and I I do think 
while I don't think you can blame usage for injuries, one way to not get injured playing football is to play less football. So <laughs> I think you can. I, I think there would be some value into, into keeping him off the field in these kind of games that, that aren't really close so that in down the playoffs we can have our best offensive weapons. Hopefully Debo's getting healthy. We'll be back in time for the playoffs, but keeping McCaffrey healthy is going to be super, super important. Yeah, well, it's tough to see Chris McCaffrey get 26 rushing attempts and see our backup running back get four, and then Brock Purdy had four attempts technically, uh, and that was the only run game of the offense, was 26 CMC, four Jordan Mason, and four kind of to Brock Purdy, and then to only see George Kittle got four very meaningful receptions, Jawan Jennings, three and then Chris McCaffrey gets six. And then Tyler Croft, one. Brandon Ayuk, two. Raven McLeod, one. Like, Chris McCaffrey touched that ball. Uh, quick math, <laughs> 32 times out of probably a, a maybe a 15 comparatively to everybody else. Like, that's nuts. Yeah, I agree. It's a lot, a lot of usage. Um, Want to flip, talk the other side of the ball a bit, call out some of the things in the defensive side of the ball that really got us excited? I sure do, because that was an incredible game by our defense. Um, looking through just some of these stats highlights to start us off, do you know who the leading, uh, le- well, both both sides, leading tackler was from that game? I do not. Was it Talanoa? No, I wish. he looked hard. awesome. It is. It's hard for a safety to be the leading tackler unless your front nine is just so bad and can't make a stop before the safeties get involved sometimes. Um, it was Diamador Lenore. Good for him. He He's- had 10, 10 solo tackles. Sorry, 10 combined tackles and nine solo tackles. Yeah, I was just going to say, he, he's really put together a better second half to this season than the first, for sure. He has, and that, I don't have a problem with that, but it makes me question, because same, well, a little earlier in the season last year, Ambry Thomas was doing the same thing, because Lenore wasn't. And now, we haven't seen a lick of Ambry Thomas, but Lenore is doing great. And so, you can draw conclusions there, but I'm certainly wondering... You know, I just, I wish I was at practice. I wish I was in meetings and could hear, like, okay, what is Thomas not doing and why is he getting zero playing time? Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the dream, right? Of any, we're, we're media members here. Any media member wants to be the fly on the wall in all those conversations, you know? Matt Mayoko, can we be your assistants? Yeah. Or maybe <laughs> anyone. Mayoko's probably, probably choice number one. Then maybe one of the other Matts, maybe Lombardi. I don't know. Let's talk. Let's talk. If you're I'm upset sorry. at where I ranked you on the 49ers beat reporter rankings, please reach out. We'd love to have you on the pod. And I can promise you that any 49ers beat reporter that joins us on 49ers Unrestricted will immediately jump to the top of the 49ers Unrestricted beat reporter rankings. Yeah, let's, uh, let's get these guys on and do a little bit of... You've seen those uh, videos with Adam Lefko where we do uh, the... Madden underrated ratings where we uh, see how many how many catches they can catch for whatever yards and see if we can bump up their their Madden ratings, but it'll really be their beat reporter ratings. 
Yeah, that'd be fun. We should do that. Just start rating the 49ers beat reporters. That's a way to get noticed. It is. (laughs) Maybe the worst way. Okay, getting back to our defense. Deandre Lenore led with tackles. Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner had eight combined each. Uh, Dre had four solo. Fred had six solo. Um, I think the player of the game, at least on defense, if not the entire team, was Charvarius Ward. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's what you want when you pay big money for a corner, right? Yes, he, you guys, if you did, this is just a game you have to have seen, and if not, you need to watch highlights. The highlights won't do Charvarius Ward justice, even if he's all over them, but just some of the replays, they did a montage of all the routes DK had run with Charvarius Ward on him, and Charv, and if, if you guys need a size chart, I can look up their their height and weight in a second, but DK Metcalf is a big dude. He's a big dude. And Traverius Ward is not the biggest dude. He's not an incredibly small guy, but DK is just a massive human. Um, it was just incredible. I guess there's only three inches difference on him, which blows my mind. But uh, Traverius Ward was in DK's face on that man every route making it incredibly tough for him to catch any ball or get any yards after catching a ball. And I don't know what what the talk was before the game, what the pregame talk was, but it just seemed like these guys hated each other. Uh, I know that. It really Drake did. Greenlaw, it did, especially anytime Charvarius would grab DK and he wasn't able to bring him down in the first second. He would hold on to his legs and wait for a Fred Warner or a Dre Greenlaw to try to come and knock DK's head off. Every time they were trying to hit him so hard, or there there was one replay where I think I think Dre was the second guy in, and then Fred came over the top of DK and tried to like grab his head and take him into the ground. And I'm like, okay, these guys are not happy with DK. And I, I want my cornerbacks playing like that. You know, that's what you want. That's like, that's the Deion Sanders kind of stuff that you want to see from a corner. So that was really fun to see. Yeah, it was, it was easily the MVP going to Traverius Ward, in, in my opinion. Um, Diamondor Lenore did have a great statistic game, and, and he was all over the place, always. You know, Dre Greenlaw, Fred Warner. Um, I don't remember. I don't remember exactly which play, but Aziz Al Shire had a really nice uh, tackle for a loss, I believe. Um, and I was just talking with someone at a at a dinner party last night about the Niners and about the last couple of games, and we were just laughing at the fact that Aziz Al Shire is our third linebacker because he could go be the one or two on so many other teams. But we just have incredible linebackers in Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw. And then thirdly, Aziz Alshire. Totally, totally true. And like I said, I think we talked about this in our last episode, but it's great to see Greenlaw kind of performing at that really high level again. And I hope that can continue to, to happen. The defense is just, it's everything we wanted to see. The line, Nick Bosa is probably going to be defensive player of the year. I think he's still leading the NFL in sacks. And that's been been just so, so fun to see. And I'm excited to see how the 49ers kind of finish down the stretch. We'll see if they kind of let off the gas because, I mean, they're not, probably not. I don't think it's possible for them to clinch the first round by. So maybe they decide to kind of 
kind of just rest out the rest of the regular season, get ready for the playoffs. I think maybe they push to get that two seed, try to seal up as much home field advantage as possible. But I don't know. What do you think, Daniel? Is it time to kind of start letting off the gas with the playoffs clinched? Um, well, it's hard because I'd have to – I would want – before I truly answer that, I would want to look at the implications for playoffs for the last three weeks or – Four weeks? Wow, that's crazy. Well, sorry, three weeks ahead. We're not done with week 15. We have one more game. But, yes, uh, three more weeks. Um, so if we were to peek at how the, the playoffs would break down, um, Vikings clinched their division. Obviously, Niners clinched their division. Um, Eagles clinched a playoff spot. They have not fully clinched their division, but they will. They, they will. The, the Cowboys are 10-4, and four, and so really really what it is is, gosh, that's hard. So how it's going to break down, because the Cowboys or the Eagles are 13-1 and one, and the Niners are 10-4, and four. so unless the Eagles lose their last three games and we win ours, well, even then we would just tie for the first round bye. And I believe it would go to them. I don't know how that would break down if we didn't play each other. And it would just go to them, I assume, if they had it that long. I don't know. Do you have any wisdom on that one? Yeah, I, I'm i not sure, to be honest, how that how that's decided. I'm sure there's a convoluted tiebreaker system they go to. Sometimes they flip coins on that type of stuff. So I can't speak for sure. I, I do think, I think the two seed is worth pushing for, at least like next week. But things kind of settle into place. I see no reason the 49ers shouldn't rest guys when they can you know yeah so uh next week the eagles and the cowboys do play each other so that's that's gonna be quite a fun game to watch doesn't necessarily have implications but next week we are home against the commanders and then the where'd they go uh the vikings are home against the giants and so we're hoping that the the vikings are gonna lose all three or two of their next games. Um, and then in week 17, the Vikings are playing at the Green Bay Packers. And then week 18, the Vikings are playing at the Chicago Bears while we finish this season home against the Cardinals. And I, I did skip over the 49ers at the Las Vegas Raiders in week 17. So, I think we're, we're kind of where we're going to be unless something crazy happens. Eagles will get the first seed. It looks like the Vikings will hold on to the second. That's my prediction just because I think the Niners can easily beat the Commanders, Raiders, and Cardinals, but it's more hinging on can other teams beat the Vikings for us pretty, pretty please. And apparently, I mean, the Vikings are clearly – unkillable coming back from 33 down on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the games of our generation. That was just unreal. Pretty uh-huh. insane. So and here's of course it had to be Matt Ryan on the receiving end of the the comeback oh. again. Matt Ryan is going to be interviewed later in years when we do like some of these look back documentaries and he's never going to be on the good side <laughs> of these documentaries. Uh, Did you see Matt Ryan's wife tweeted on on Sunday morning, she said, like, wow, what an incredible World Cup final. Kind of makes you forget anything that happened in the NFL yesterday, right? <laughs> yeah. Just. <laughs> um, so 
just not Niners related, but playoff related. Last year, the worst division in football was the NFC East. The Eagles, the Cowboys, the Giants, and the Commanders. Not a single team, I believe, was 500 going into the playoffs. I think that the Cowboys went into the playoffs with a losing record or close to. Now, that is very different. Since the Eagles are 13-1, and Cowboys are 10-4, and Giants are 8-5-1, and, and the Commanders are 7-6-1. and Everyone has a 500 record, and potentially all four teams could go to the playoffs. But then you look at the NFC South, where the leading team of the division is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 6-8. And, and, and then the three other teams are all tied for second at 5-9. and nine. That just blows my mind. That is kind of insane. So that just shows you how how some of the NFC looks like. You've got top contenders in the NFC, like the Vikings, the Eagles, and statistically the Cowboys. I'm one of those guys who thinks that they're just having having a good record here and they wouldn't be able to hold on to any kind of game against the Vikings, the Eagles, or the Niners, or let alone – the Seahawks and some of these other teams. So that's just me, but they're most likely going to get the fifth seed. Uh, actually, I, th- I think it's pretty dang proven that they're going to get the fifth seed, the first wild card seed, and will play what appears to be the Buccaneers or could be anyone else in that division. But the Seahawks are the only other team that are really in the hunt uh, from our division. And then the Lions, oddly enough, are going to be fighting for a playoff spot with the rest of the NFC East. So that's the NFC playoff picture right now. Um, and I, you know, probably spend a little bit too much time on that because I don't necessarily think it matters for the Niners all that much. None of those, none of those teams I think are too tough of customers for, for this riding Niners, Niners defense um, and weapon filled offense right now. Totally agree. Uh, there's no one I'm, particularly scared of in the nfc right now the eagles are a great team but i don't think they're like heads and tails better than the niners i'm i'm excited for these playoffs um well you kind of transitioned us really nicely daniel bringing up the nfc east because the 49ers next game on saturday don't forget it's on saturday not sunday because of christmas and christmas eve Fun fact, NFL Red Zone being broadcast on Saturday this weekend, not Sunday because of the Christmas Eve Christmas distinction. If you, I don't know if you're familiar with Christmas. It's kind of the best holiday. Uh, but anyway, um, the 49ers play the Washington Commanders on Sunday. We got to see Washington last night. They're a good team. They have some exciting players. Taylor Heineke is fun to watch as always. Their defense is really, really good. Chase Young might be coming back from injury. He's their star defensive end. Of he was kind of Nick Bosa after Nick Bosa, but like he's not actually Nick Bosa. But yeah, he has been working his way back from an ACL tear all season, and he, I think he's potentially Daniel. I don't know if anything's official, but these guys have some good players. They're a good team. I don't think they hold a candle to the 49ers. I, I think they'll probably score a few points, probably make some defensive stands. I don't think the game is going to be particularly close unless Brock Purdy completely melts down and looks like, you know, Mr. Irrelevant, which he is not yet. And so as long as Brock Purdy plays at the level he's been playing, I don't expect this game to be particularly close. What are you feeling about it? No, I love 
I love your point on that, and I think that this is a real test for Brock Purdy. Uh, he comes in in, shoot, is that week 13 against the Dolphins? Comes in for an injured Jimmy Garoppolo, finishes the game, does well, wins the next two games against the Bucks, against the Seahawks. You know, playing the Bucks big time. His first start, he's playing against Tom Brady in his first career start, and he destroys him and his team. Next week, first road game against a big rival of the Niners, the Seahawks, uh, the team under us in the division, and we crush them. Now, we're playing the Commanders. There's nothing really sexy about this game like there was for his first start and against Tom Brady and then his first road start. This is just football now. This is just late season, close to the playoffs football, where you're right. I think that, you know, we've clinched our division. So we can we can just hang out if we want. But that is not at all the momentum that you want to carry into playoffs. I think it would be awesome to see a Jawan Jennings be the leading receiver and get a lot of yards um, and kind of save save Debo. Well, Debo's already out. Sorry, buddy. Uh, save Kittle, save Brandon Ayuk, but keep them fresh. Um, and it would cool to it'd be cool to see the the touches between Chris McCaffrey and Jordan Mason a little more balanced out as we head into the playoffs. Um, but I do not want to see us lose steam by any means heading into the playoffs in that way. And I think that not all, but a lot of it comes down to this young man Brock Purdy. This is his first just just football game in my mind. Um, you know, there's, there's, we're not playing for anything where we've already clinched the division. Um, you know, the commanders are a good team. They're just above 500 and, uh, they've had some tough losses. They could be higher in their record than that. Um, but again, I think that this is his first game where he can really be like, okay, you know, I'm not playing Tom Brady. This isn't my first road game. This is his third start, fourth game. So there's a little, not that, I mean, the hype is still there for this guy and how incredible he's doing, but people are probably setting in, settling in a little bit more to the Brock Purdy story now. And this is where I think we usually see a story like this, a quarterback like this, take a turn. I kind of want to say that I feel like if Jimmy's having a great game and he's doing great, this is where he changes and struggles. And so I think I it's agree. a huge game for Brock Purdy personally. I felt bad saying that, but it's just what I was thinking. No, Purdy's got to put this one away, and I see no reason why he won't. He's Like we've talked about, he's playing really, really well. So I, I think he continues to play at that level, and we'll, we'll see what happens. Well, Daniel, I think we, we probably got to wrap up. I know we got to get you in the office, but... Um, it's been a. It's kind of a. To, oh, sorry. I was just as you were finishing. I was just thinking of the for Brock Purdy. It's it's kind of a are you for real, game, you know one of those ones that goes, are you for real? Yeah, something like that for Brock Purdy. I want him to yeah. to be thinking about that. <laughs> what <laughs> so a way good. to present it. This is the uh, the outcast. I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. Are you for real, game for Brock Purdy? Yes, that's what we're calling that's ex- it. That's exactly the what official it is. outcast. Miss Jack, sorry, Miss Jackson Bull. Well, I don't think we could top that with any analysis, but maybe we get no. some bold predictions in Daniel and then call it a show. So I was just gonna say is we haven't done our bold predictions in far too long. Um, 
gosh. It's always so hard. You know, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with a Brock Purdy prediction. My prediction is that he throws for three touchdowns. Sounds good to me. I'm gonna go defensive side of the ball. I think we're gonna have two interceptions. Taylor Heineke was trying to give the ball away to the New York Giants last night, and the Giants just couldn't seize the opportunity. I think the 49ers defense can. So I'm saying two picks. Hey, I won't. I won't put this down as a part of your prediction. But who are those two picks going to? Uh, let's say one to Hufanga, one to Ward. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I think they'll they'll target Terry McLaurin a lot. I assume you, you got to expect. Uh, Trevarius Ward to be covering Terry McLaurin. Um, Hufunga just is always in the mix. If there's ever a tip, I feel like it's always him or Dre Greenlaw that is there in the middle of the field. Totally. Um, Hufunga had a great sack against the Seahawks and forced fumble. Um, he's been playing great football. This, this is my – apparently I'm doing Hufunga Kawabunga at the very last minute, but I think he's been playing incredible football, but – this defense is just so good that he's getting overshadowed in some ways um, against any other opponent. So he's playing great, but we just have the defense to be, and uh, every guy in it is is killing it, but not everybody gets that big spotlight each week. Absolutely. All right. Well, hey, listeners, thank you for tuning in to 49ers Unrestricted. Have a very Merry Christmas, and uh, go Niners. Daniel, any parting thoughts? No, have, enjoy the holidays, enjoy your Christmas time, and uh, it's going to be some good football, and we're excited to keep talking about it. Absolutely. Stay safe out there, everybody.